September 16, 1814. Francis Scott Key completes the Star-Spangled Banner just in time for open mic night at Fort McHenry. Welcome to The Revisionist. I'm Brian Flynn. I'm Zach Powers. And our guest is a fabulous Denver comedian, uh, host of Rebel Yell uh, every month. Please welcome the wonderful Allison Rose. Hey, everybody. Hey, thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Zach, how are you? Uh, you know, pretty, pretty same. <laughs> living in the, living in the city, the third, yeah. formerly second, currently third city, as per usual. It got demoted do, in do the eighteen hundreds or nineteen hundreds. I can't. I don't know when, but it got demoted at some point. Do you guys really keep track of that over there? Huh? Uh, yeah. There's a big board on the tall on the Sears Tower. With the number on it, and it very seldom changes. <laughs> We're really uh, counting on global warming to even the odds, though. Yeah, of course. Oh, no. Once global warming hits, you guys are in Hot Dog City. Yep. <laughs> oh, no. I'll make all of our signs relevant again. We have a theater here. This the second city. It doesn't even make sense. But once that ocean kicks up. We're back in the money. We might even become the first city at that point. The only city. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> What's left of civilization. Yeah. That's actually the new Chicago motto. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think when Denver you're will here, be around you're alive. <laughs> Which is like, Denver will last longer, in yeah. fact. Yeah, that's true. Well, no, we'll dry out. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Um, what do we do on this fucking show? Uh if you're new to this podcast, it's a show where we rank different cities based on their likelihood <laughs> to be destroyed by global warming. Today's episode, oh, wait. Omaha, Nebraska. <laughs> Omaha, already not worth living in, so we're just going to table that one. Um, sorry if you live in Omaha. Um, anyways. <laughs> I just pictured just someone wearing like corn husker red, just drooping sadly, uh-huh. like a wilting yeah, a- flower. A corn husker's hat and a revisionist T-shirt, and they're like, one of these things has let me down today. <laughs> Available um, on Patreon.com/slash/TheRevisionists. Anyway, in fact, instead of a doom and gloom Al Gore-inspired podcast, uh, we are a podcast where we look at an event from history. One of the people on the show tells the actual true story of that event. That's the part where you do the learning. And then somebody else (laughs) tells a bonkers, crazy, batshit alternate version. And that's the part where the show does the turning. And (laughs) okay, I can't tell if your mic isn't working or if you're just having a very hard time right now. And uh, at the end, the third person votes on which becomes the true history going forward so one true story one fake and only one exits the arena alive (laughs) last uh last time we talked about the assassination of archduke franz ferdinand um which you millennials who are older millennials may know as the inspiration for that band that had that one hit song but older, um, older millennials may know that. Yeah, older millennials, post college. <laughs> no millennials. one else cares. <laughs> <laughs> no one else cares. Young. It was our time. <laughs> <laughs> Not like these young millennials who are ruining everything. <laughs> yeah, um, but uh, ultimately, because the actual story of that is so absolutely insane, I recommend you listen to that episode if you have it, because mm-hmm. it's a great story from history. 
the real story won out at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's where we're at. Um, I... And this time, what are we discussing, Brian? Uh, this time we are discussing uh, one of my favorite people from World War I, uh, Charlotte Despard. Uh, I'll be doing the true history. Allison will be doing the alternate. Uh, so if we're all ready to go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Right. You're ready to go. Tear into this. Um, and I will say, uh, typically I don't like steal so directly from a source. Uh, but I feel like I should specifically cite uh, a, a website called Spartacus Learning for a lot of the basis for this, as well as uh, Adam Hochschild's wonderful book, To End All Wars, uh, which uh, I love a lot and you should read. We get it, Brian. You're above Wikipedia like everybody else on this show. Any hoozle. Um Charlotte French was born in 1844. Uh, She had a younger brother named John, uh, who she was very close with, and a younger sister who I think was called Sarah, um, who doesn't Hmm. really factor into the story all that much, uh, except when she dies. Um, (laughs) But... uh, No spoiler, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, it's World War I. Everyone's dead. Um, uh, Anyway, speaking of dead, her death... Uh, her dad dies when she's 10. Uh, Speaking of dead. <laughs> segways. Um, her dad who was... Speaking of dead, most of the people who have ever lived <laughs> work yeah, for this transition. <laughs> and hey, dead, let's just toss in overall. everyone who's alive, because eventually they'll be dead too. <laughs> the universal condition. It's a transition to anything. <laughs> Uh, if you take nothing else from this story, t- please take that. Um, That's why they call death the ultimate segue. <laughs> <laughs> uh, perfect. Um, so her dad dies when she's 10, and her mother was committed to an insane asylum. Uh, and so she was sent to London to live with relatives. Uh, she had a traditional education there. Uh Later, she... You know, I have to say, I feel like... I know we've talked about millennials already on this podcast. Yes. But I have to assume that... Like three minutes ago. (laughs) They must be killing true romance because it seems like nowadays... Nobody ever goes to an insane asylum when their their husband or wife dies. (laughs) Back in the day, your spouse died. You went to it. It was... That's what was done. You went to an insane <laughs> asylum. Nowadays, people just deal with it because love is dead. Yeah, they just throw avocados on the grave. and <laughs> Yeah. Instead of buying a grave, they spend it all on avocado toast and throw the body in the gutters. <laughs> just in the Buffalo Wild Wings that they're running out of business. Uh-huh. Um, they make it, they use, they use it for urban composting. <laughs> you know, that bad thing, urban <laughs> composting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what is it called? Should... Urban gardens? I don't know what they're... <laughs> I just like the, that premise. The good old days of insane asylums. <laughs> Remember when your spouse was so much of your identity that you <laughs> lost your mind when they died? Um, so uh, later in talking about her education, uh, she recalled one point when she said, quote, 
Uh, I asked my governess why God had made slaves, and I was promptly sent to bed. Uh, after that, lest I infect my sisters with my spirit of insubordination, I was kept in solitary confinement for three or four days, and then sent away to school. Uh, so this would kind of become a trend with her. Wow. It's like if instead of Frozen being about a girl who develops ice powers, it's about a girl who gets woke. <laughs> <laughs> I still haven't seen Frozen, full disclosure. So Charlotte uh, married Maximilian Despard, uh, who is an English and Irish uh, man who had made a fortune uh, in uh, pillaging Asia. Um, and she, she took to writing. Uh, her first novel uh, was a romance novel called Chased as Ice, Pure as Snow, uh, which came out in 1874, which I'm sure at the time was a... I had a lot of fucking. Probably too risque, too yeah, chaste. Exactly. <laughs> um, she, I mean, I have to assume that snow and ice are both chaste and pure because no one wants to fuck snow. Mm. It's very logistically difficult. Somebody <laughs> probably. In terms to... of circulation, if your toes go to <laughs> frostbite quickly, I have to assume. Something that only has blood in it some of the time. Okay, well, well okay, Mr. Vanilla. All right. Uh, also, a lady could fuck the snow. Why is it just? Oh, that's true. Come on. I mean, I don't know how We're pleasant. Not as... I can't. I have not walked in your shoes. I won't talk to the woman's experience, <laughs> so I don't know if that's a, an alluring idea or not. Right. I'm not saying that it's alluring. You know, just saying you know, you we know can do more than you. <laughs> You know when it's 2017. Puts his hat on, you know that it's time to get. Any- it's 2017. Women can fuck snow. Yeah, come on. <laughs> if there is any snow left to fuck, no. but not if Donald Trump gets his way. Uh, okay. Um, any hoozle. Um, she uh, she wrote ten novels over sixteen years. Most of them were romance, but she did write uh, a book called A Voice from the Dim Millions. Uh, which was about a poor young factory worker, but no one was willing to publish it. Um, and her husband died, uh, there it is again, in 1890. End uh, of story. <laughs> she and went she to was an committed insane. to an insane. Yeah. <laughs> the rest takes place in her head. Yeah. <laughs> it turns out, <laughs> yeah, it's like a Toy Story Yeah, the rest is fucking sucker punch, basically. Theory. Yeah. She has a Batman delusion. <laughs> uh, I mean, she is kind of like social justice Batman to me a little bit. Uh, yeah. Spoiler alert. Um, so Ooh, after that should replace social justice warrior, by the way, because I think <laughs> yeah. like people have gotten like tired of social justice warrior, but it's harder to make fun of social justice Batman. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh... I think that's just Batman, though. No, 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 no. <laughs> Regular Batman beats up on the mentally ill and the poor. All right, okay, okay. All right, okay, 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 okay. I take back everything I've ever said. <laughs> well, no, have you read Have you read my pamphlet about the mentally ill and the poor? Uh, it's called Frank Miller. So after her husband died, she decided to dedicate her life uh, to the poor, and uh, she left her estate and moved to Battersea in London, where a bunch of poor people lived. And while she was there, she opened a soup kitchen, a health clinic, and uh, working youth and men's clubs. 
She also converted to Catholicism, which the poor Irish people were really into. Um, and she also joined the Social Democrats and uh, the uh, the Labor Party at this point. Uh, and four years after that, she was elected to the post of Poor Law Guardian. Uh, oh, which is not a great name for a position. It just sounds like you're bad at being a law guardian. Yeah, no, they didn't really. Uh, it was There was something called the Poor Law, which basically was the British way of transferring, like, services from the poor from, like, churches to the state. And so poor law guardians were meant to be the guardians of the poor. She was a member of the National Union of Women's Suffrage Societies, or NULIS. Uh, news, news, uh, N-U-W-S-S. But by, like, 1906, she was disappointed by the lack of progress, and she joined the Women's Social and Political Union, the WSPU, which was led by the women of the Pankhurst family, who we will definitely discuss, because their story is, like, sad and tragic for World War One. so I, of course, want to talk about it. And we're still, uh... Pre-war, right? Well, pre-war. Yes, this is still the prelude to the war. Okay. Um, and uh, one of the bones of contention between Despard and the Pankhurst is that the WSPU wanted the vote for women, but only if they met the same qualifications as men, which was owning, un- you had to like own enough property. Bas- oh, I thought you were going to say having a penis. <laughs> <laughs> kind of a catch-22, they thought. <laughs> <laughs> oh god damn it despard believed in universal suffrage uh across gender ethnic and economic groups uh she was arrested at a protest in 1906 when she was 62 because she charged at the police uh when they were pulling another wspu member who was trying to address the crowd from a statue uh she went to prison twice in 1907 um, but the rift with the Pankhurst grew and grew. So, uh, Despard and 75 other members of the WSPU, uh, Man, they really need to work on their acronyms. Acronyms were not very much fun back no. in those days. You can't really make any sort of like word out of it. Just wispoo. Wispoo. Uh, later there's wiffle, which I guess is actually like, okay. Oh uh, yeah. That, one's that one fine. sounds fun. Like. <laughs> I think if someone came up to you on the street and was like, want to join Wiffle? You'd be like, yes. <laughs> and then later you'd find out it was an acronym and be disappointed. <laughs> I mean, I like the way you said yes, because it was still a question the way you said it. <laughs> it's just like enthusiastic. We're like, yes, maybe. maybe. I don't know. I also did like a, I'm a bad little boy face when I said mm-hmm. that for some reason. You put your finger up to your. Yeah. He did. And- he really did. <laughs> <laughs> You, you know bad little boys. Um. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, that's a reputation I want to have. Zach Powers. On my, on my tombstone, how about we just write Zach Powers, he knew bad little boys. <laughs> if there's any way I outlive you, that is definitely happening, but... <laughs> God I'm just going to remove you in my will from the to position of person who gets to write my tombstone <laughs> later on tonight. So they uh, they broke from uh, Wispu to form Wiffle, uh, the Women's Freedom League. And they were, like the WSPU, also militant and willing to engage in civil disobedience. But they tended towards nonviolence, 
whereas the WSPU led uh, to like help get women the vote, led an arson campaign, uh, a campaign of bombings, riots, and also just straight vandalism too on like their off days. I like how you built up to vandalism. Yeah, I realized that as I was reading that. Despard said at one point, quote, A woman needs economic independence to live as an equal with her husband. It is indeed deplorable that the work of the wife and mother is not rewarded. I hope that the time will come when it is illegal for this strenuous form, strenuous form of industry to be unremunerated, which is something that still hasn't happened. Um, anyway, uh, Despard also spent a lot of time in Ireland uh, and formed the Irish Women's Franchise League, or iWiffle, in 1908, <laughs> um, which is the Apple version of Wiffle. Uh, <laughs> she urged Irish resistors to not pay taxes and avoid the census, and she financially supported Irish workers during labor disputes and al- also established the Irish Workers College. 1914, uh, at age 70, uh, at the outbreak of World War I, the National Union of Women's Suffrage Societies announced it was suspending all politics until the war was over. And the Pankhursts and the WSPU made a deal with the government where all the suffragettes would be released from prison and they would get paid. And in return, they would stop protesting for the vote and use their organization to support the war. Um, and Despard and Wiffle uh, refused to support the war, despite popular pressure, uh, overwhelming intimidation. Uh, What was worse for Despard is that her brother, uh, John French, who she said was, quote, more dear to me than anyone else, was the commander-in-chief of the British Army on the Western Front. Even despite that, on the eve of war, she led a public peace rally uh, calling the war a criminal act. So in her diaries, uh, she writes of updates from the war, saying at one point, Quote, it is with keen admiration, but a constriction of heart, that I read of my Jack's splendid dispatch of the retreat in Luce. <laughs> so, which is basically an antiquated way of saying he ran away real good. Um, <laughs> and so, at first, she's more unsure about how best to speak against the war, but she learns as she goes on. Uh, in 1917, uh, Despard formed the Women's Peace Crusade when she's 73 years old. Uh, She traveled across the country visiting conscientious objectors in jail, or as the English spell it, uh, Goal. What? G-A-O-L, because... uh, Joel. Joel. Yeah, she actually traveled the country visiting Joel, uh, which is a buddy of hers. Uh, Her least controversial project was an alcohol-free pub for soldiers, uh, which was surprisingly popular. Whoa, 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 whoa. I have I have to st- I have to ask a question. So this alcohol free pub, did they know what they were getting into, or is it like the episode of every sitcom <laughs> where the underage kid tries to buy booze, but he buys like the alcohol free keg, and they have to and everybody they're acts drunk. like they're yeah. drunk? <laughs> uh, I wish it was like that. It was like it was a well known like teetotaler bar. It was called the Soldiers Arms, uh, and her brother stopped in from time to time, and like during the. The tumult of the war in uh, 1918, the gov- the UK government very quietly granted women owning property the right to vote and hold office. Uh, and Despard became the Labour Party candidate in Battersea. But the war fervor was so high that her stance against it cost her the election. Like at one point, a friend said about her, 
quote, I've only got to send a telegram to Mrs. Despard to say, uh, tomorrow noon I'm going to attack Battersea Town Hall, and she'd be there. She won't ask me why. Uh, <laughs> like halfway through, I wanted to start reading that in a British accent, but not going to I do, do like the idea of them literally quietly granting them the right to vote. Yeah. yeah. Like the prime minister comes up to the microphone, he's like, <laughs> don't tell oh. them though <laughs> don't let them know maybe it's we're technically very... legal but if they show up just don't say anything <laughs> just, just real quick like looks over their shoulder uh, uh, okay good none of them are here yet <laughs> the British government is investigating ASMR technology <laughs> wait what I said the British government is investigating ASMR technology, but you might not have heard it because I whispered it. Wait, what the fuck is that? It's a like where people it's, really people might have, it's like, like audio therapy via whispering and soft sounds. Oh, yeah, or like okay. yeah. Well, I can already say I've been listening to you whisper to me for a few minutes, and I already feel pretty calm. Um, and you have it recorded, so you could go to sleep to me whispering to you. I usually every do. Night. Um, what? <laughs> anyway, uh, um, uh, in 1920, age 76, she toured Ireland and collected information on police atrocities against the Irish. Uh, she helped form the Women Prisoners Defense League, uh, Wapudl, uh, to support <laughs> Irish dissidents. Uh, fuck you, vowels. Uh, she also joined, uh, Sinn Féin, uh, which is the political arm of the Irish Republican Army, but... After after his removal from command on the Western Front, her brother, John French, was made Viceroy of Ireland. Uh, so he was in charge of maintaining English control. Uh, and it was finally, after years of clashing, this conflict that tore apart the close relationship between brother and sister. Despard wrote, like, constantly to him, but he wouldn't reply. She bought a mansion in Dublin that the IRA, IRA basically used as a stash house. Not like a The Wire stash house, but like for weapons, and they would like kind of stay there. It wasn't like a, it wasn't heroin. Um, I just, I love that this huge sibling drama is going on, but I also like to imagine during it, like, while these two are clashing it out, Sarah's just in the background like, yeah, I'm selling some art on Etsy now. Oh, Sarah, I forgot, Sarah died. Um, oh. <laughs> her um, Etsy dreams never realized. No, her last words were... Find me on Etsy. <laughs> um, no, she she totes died. Uh, she was actually a nurse uh, on I forget on which front when she died, but she served in like France and Belgium, and she served in I believe she died in the Ottoman Empire actually, uh, serving as a nurse for the, during the war effort. Did she not have multiple sisters? I think she, I only remember one, and that one not well. So definitely possible. Okay. <laughs> So she bought that mansion in Dublin, IRA used as a stash house, and the police who were under her brother's command would raid it uh, fairly frequently for soldiers and guns, uh, but the police were instructed to never touch or bother Despard. She died in 1939, aged 95, uh, after a very long and admirable life. Oh, she was also... An anti-vivisection uh, activist. She was a vegetarian, too. Um, and there was this one weird incident that happened called the Brown Dog Affair, <laughs> uh, which sounds like a romance novel, but it's not, um, where 
like medical students would dissect living animals, basically. They would euthanize them and dissect them. Right. So that happened, and Despard and the organi- organization she was with, the Anti-Vivisection Society, uh, Go Avs, they erected a statue of a brown dog outside uh, Oxford College. Uh, and the medical students were like, they rioted to tear down the statue of the dog. Huh. I'm going to uh, be honest with you. For just a minute, I thought it, before I, because there was a bump in the audio, and I thought instead of visit vivisection, you were talking about vasectomies. <laughs> and I was like, what a weird hill to die on. <laughs> hey, hey, ho, ho. Should have thought this chant through. Shit, I couldn't <laughs> think of a chant for vasectomies. Uh, yeah, I just do that hoop what do we want? for the rest of development. Sperm, forward. I guess. Um, <laughs> when do we want it? At the appropriate time. She'd call it the hoop, like Arrested Development, but she'd put W on the front, probably. <laughs> yes, yeah. and cut out the everything. cut out, cut yeah, out it's the called whoop, and then parentheses. There it is. <laughs> yeah, uh, but that's that's the real story of Charlotte Despard. Every week, Denver's own Real Nerds Podcast sees a new movie, and we podcast our experience to the world. I think sometimes we're funny. Yeah, sometimes when I'm talking, not when you're talking, not when you're talking. Oh, you know, it might help if you told them that we're on iTunes or we're on Stitcher so they could find a place where you can actually listen to us. Oh, okay, Brad. We're also on Twitter, at Real Nerds, and we have an Instagram account. Boom. Commercial, Brad. Cut. Paste. Upload. We like to have fun. Sure. I like fun. James, you're very bad at improv. RealNerdsPodcast.com. Uh, Allison? Oh, geez. Okay. I heard a lot of different stuff. Uh, <laughs> so I feel a little embarrassed. Uh, Charlotte Despard uh, was born in Kent, Ohio in 1920. Uh, her father was Joseph Rogers. Oh, she was born after World War One. <laughs> yeah, she was. She was. Okay. They got her wrong. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what Brian's been reading, but not books, apparently. Uh, <laughs> no, it's mostly bazooka joes and popsicle sticks. <laughs> okay, gum wrappers. Uh, <laughs> her father was Joseph Rogers. Her mother was the collective women's suffrage movement reaching its climax. Uh, so it was like a, a sister wives situation, or like yeah, you know, okay. just yeah. It seems oddly regressive. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, she was one of six siblings. All of them were born on the day women got the vote. Uh, growing up, they called them themselves the Glorious Bastards because uh, <laughs> they had really glorious hair, uh, except for the one brother, Steve Rogers, whose hair left a lot to be desired. Um, hmm. And of course, they, they were spell bastards. It, did they spell what? it the right way? Did they spell bastards the right way, or did they spell it like the Quentin Tarantino? They spelled it the right way because they, you know, they're smarter than that. Uh, <laughs> right, fair enough. Well, the right. Tarantino way involves a lot of feet, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> well, he, the, the movie title is misspelled. I oh, think you'll yeah. find if you look on uh, IMDb <laughs> no, goofs and gaffs I, section. I know. <laughs> anyway, he's he's a spelling visionary. Um. Oh yeah, and they were you know actual bastards because they didn't have an actual mother, just the just the <laughs> suffrage movement. Okay. Um. All right. Uh, when the war started, uh, you know which one, the, the second one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know the one we're talking you about. You know the one. You know the one. Uh, her brother, Steve, tried to enlist, uh, but was refused. <laughs> but was refused because of his weak ass hair. Um, 
After trying to enlist, Steve disappeared, saying he was going to find a way to fight the war with stronger follicles than ever. Uh, <laughs> and then Charlotte and her sisters, knowing Rogers We Care was going to get him killed, traveled overseas to fight in secret. Um, <laughs> like when you say weak hair, like kind of like floppy or is it just extra wispy? Extra, extra wispy. Extra wispy. Yeah. <laughs> That's my favorite thing to get at KFC. <laughs> Sorry. Extra. God damn it. <laughs> extra wispy. Um, Charlotte became known uh, as the hair Jew. Uh, because she could whip a Nazi to death with her hair, obviously. Duh. <laughs> Okay, it's like um, a Bayonetta thing, kind of. Ops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sir. Uh, she led... Oh, shit. She led her sisters in the charge against the Nazis until one day they trapped Hitler and burned him in the movie theater. I don't know where they got that idea. Uh, <laughs> and afterward, Charlotte swore off violence because the smell of burning hair haunted her dreams. Um, <laughs> I did not realize how many times I wrote the word hair down when writing this. <laughs> it really was. This didn't, is actually I the first draft of the it. musical hair. <laughs> yeah, I did not mean for it to be such a such an overarching theme. Uh, <laughs> well, that's how themes emerge in literature. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, literature. It's okay. <laughs> um, her sisters separated from her after the war and made a salon uh, where they satisfied their new bloodlust by killing their clients and baking them into pies. Again, okay, that, was, that took a turn. Uh, no idea <laughs> where they got that like, idea. Like, early 19th century turn. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Charlotte spent some time after the war trying to find her brother Steve, only to learn his plane had been lost in the North Atlantic. Uh, she dedicated her first book, Chased as Ice, Pure as Snow, to him, uh, because she was sure he was still a virgin and he died somewhere cold. Um, <laughs> I just picture the dedication being like, yeah. my brother Steve. The virgin. <laughs> yeah. And Weak bro. ass hair. Yep. It was his nickname, Steve Virgin Rogers. Steve Virgin Rogers. That was him. You know, the one who doesn't fuck. <laughs> yeah, Guys, definitely. Right <laughs> um, back in the United States, Charlotte fell in love with a younger man named Elvis. Uh, they were, you know, I really went off on a weird, she had a weird life. Uh, they were secretly married. I was about to go Presley, but anyway. <laughs> They were secretly married, and she stayed by his side until 1977, uh, when he mysteriously disappeared. And then Charlotte later found a note from him saying that he was going to go to her sister's salon uh, and get a haircut, because his darn bangs were in his eyes all the time. And, you know, why hadn't she told him that his sisters owned a barbershop? He clearly needed a haircut. Uh, yeah, that's just... I mean, she know, does she know about the meat pie thing at this point? She does, it, yeah. Okay. She's, she's separated ways. Uh, so Charlotte, who hadn't seen her sisters since the 50s, uh, tried to confront them, but she was uh, too struck by their terrible singing and the tragedy of their apparent hair loss in old age that she just couldn't get revenge on him, you know? Uh, she just let him be. But her sisters, uh, certain that she was still looking for revenge, started hunting her, and she had to go into hiding. Um 
So she just went back to, to writing her books, uh, but she couldn't get music out of her mind after, after all this, you know. Uh, and as soon as hair bands started up in the 80s, uh, she knew she'd found her next love. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so she went undercover as Gene Simmons. Uh, undercover? Yep. <laughs> She's Gene <Jen> Simmons now. Gene <laughs> <Jen> Simmons? <laughs> Which sounds yeah. like the worst cocktail. <laughs> Um, and then her her brother uh, Steve. This is a weird aside, you know. Doesn't really. He's not important. But her brother Steve awoke uh, from the ice, <laughs> and so she's both Gene Simmons and the head advisor to the Avengers. Uh, <laughs> Hell yeah! And she's still alive today. It attributes her youthful long life to her magical hair, and also possibly the blood of all those Nazis she drank back in the day. So. A little more oh, violent. You, I think you might have left out the part where she literally drank their blood <laughs> like a human vampire. Well. <laughs> oh, yeah, you, you, missed, you missed that part <laughs> where she became Nosferatu. Yeah, also Nosferatu. Gene Simmons, Nosferatu. <laughs> <laughs> she contains multitudes. <laughs> uh, Allison, thank you. <laughs> sure. Uh, before we move on to judgment, I'm uh, going to take care of some business. We are uh, part of the Denver Podcast Network, and there is an event coming up for that on October 8th at Mutiny. There's going to be just a sort of like kickoff party, uh, launch party, which is going to be fun. Uh, I will be there, Zach, of course, being in Chicago, uh, and this probably also being the first he's heard about this. <laughs> That's um, a fair assessment, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, will not, but, uh, there'll be a bunch of the shows on the network, uh, meeting people and like small panel discussion. So that'll be really fun. Come on down to see that. Uh, speaking of that network, uh, one of the shows is, uh, left hand, right brain. Uh, it's a podcast where JD Lopez, who is a comedian, uh, and future guest, and also, uh, a very sensitive boy, sensitive artist has a conversation, uh, with other artists. I didn't mean to burp in the middle of that. <laughs> he's you a know, sensitive boy. Live <laughs> ad copy. Uh, he's a sensitive boy. Ad, I'm a ad, total dick. When, we, <laughs> when we do an ad, we make sure to get drunk and start <laughs> burping in the middle before every ad. That's I the am, revisionist guarantee. <laughs> I am stone sober, sir. Uh, um, except for those four or five Gin Simmons you had. Yeah, before. yeah. <laughs> they have a free-flowing conversation with other artists breaking down their processes and exploring their personal lives and foibles, but it's also not as pretentious as I just made it sound. You know, it's more like kickback, you know, cracking wise, talking smack, uh, having a good old time. Just one boy and a guest having a good time. Um, one boy and, and a guest this having is a, a good time. One bad little boy. <laughs> That was the, I think, one boy to guess have a good time was the summary for Chased His Ice Pure as Snow. (laughs) Left Hand Right Brain is a better podcast than I just uh, made it sound like. As for us, listeners, we always ask you to write and review the podcast on iTunes, which is uh, mad helpful. And also follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And you can always contact us... uh, see news updates, or ask us a question via revisionistpodcast.com. So, Allison, yeah. I, uh, I mentioned up top you host Rebel Yell, first Monday of every month. Do you want to talk about that real quick? 
Um, sure. It's just uh, it's kind of like a service industry comedy show night. There's uh, they run um, wings at that restaurant just during like once a month during comedy, mm-hmm. and uh, the next one's October second. We've got Nancy Norton on. Should be a fun show. Nice, and it's at a Rebel restaurant. Rebel, which is, yeah. Uh, also, just fucking delicious. Yeah, they're really great food. Really, really good people that work there. It's a good spot. Go yeah. check it out. Zach, did you want to plug anything? Uh, I was somewhat recently on the Alcoholywood podcast on the Rounders episode. So if you want to go back and look for that, go ahead and take a listen to a podcast that is much more successful than our own and has a real recording studio. (laughs) As for me, uh, the next nighttime tonight is uh, September 21st, 9 p.m. at Deer Pile, third Thursday of every month. We will be raising money uh, this time around for the Homeless Coalition in Houston. So if you live in Denver and would like to donate to that, that's a really good opportunity to do so. And then I'll, I'll be appearing at a, a new show, Best Bit Forward, uh, September 23rd at Syntax Physic Opera. Oh, yeah. I'm on that, too. Oh, hell yeah. Yay. And um, I'll also be on The Nerd Roast at the Comedy Room Room this month, where... Uh, we'll be roasting George W. Bush, and uh, I will be playing Jeb Bush, <laughs> which is one of the parts I was born to play. But, Zach, I think now is the time for judgment. Uh, so, I'm slightly torn because, as you know, uh, first, uh, she had an extraordinary life full of great accomplishments. She did a lot of things for... Um, the progress of women's rights and the peace movement, and it's all extremely inspirational, and I always appreciate it when we have a chance to shine a light on the contributions of non-white men on this show, because white men take up a disproportionate amount of our history books. Um, But, on the other hand, Allison took after my own way of forming um, an alternate history, which is find four or five pop culture things and just throw them in a stew and see what comes out. <laughs> and um, and boy, yum, oh. yum, yum. Is that mm, <laughs> Nazi blood stew? <laughs> so I am torn, but I'm going to do one thing, but out of pragmatism. Because I assume we're going to have an entire session on World War II at some point, and possibly an episode on Elvis, and we might be popular enough that people will tweet at us. (laughs) He's a he's a historical figure. There was a drunk history about Elvis. Okay, yeah, that's fine. Okay, yeah, I get that Um, now. And I don't want people to add us two years from now being like, uh, you forgot that Hitler was killed in a theater fire by a distaff Inglorious Bastards crew. <laughs> glorious Bastards. The Glorious Bastards, correct, who use their hair as weapons. Um, to preempt those at mentions, I'm going to go with the real history, although the audience could overturn me easily. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't be angry if they did. Yeah, uh, listeners, uh, audience vote is now open, uh, and if you're interested in voting, you can buy your right to vote. Uh, don't listen to the Charlotte Despard story. Ah, no. Nope. As I yes, <laughs> Any, as I say every now. episode, buy your right to vote, just like America. Yup. Uh, <laughs> but that is open uh, on the Patreon page, so go do that. Uh, But I think that'll do it for this episode. Allison, thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was a good time. 
Okay. Zach, uh, thank you as always. Uh, of course. Uh, for everyone here at The Revisionist, I'm Brian Flynn. I am Zach Powers. Have a good time. Yeah.